service here at Reveille United Methodist Church on this fourth Sunday of Advent. We welcome those who are joining in person. We welcome those who are joining with us online. It is so good to have all of you here with us this morning. My name is Stephen Coleman. I'm one of the associate pastors uh, here at Reveille. We are continuing our sermon series on I Can't Wait. Uh, and today, Pastor Pete will be preaching about Love Can't Wait, looking at the story of Mary and Joseph in the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, a few quick announcements to make this morning. First of all, our service of remembrance will take place at 4 o'clock this afternoon in our chapel. If you are dealing with any sort of loss in your life, uh, whatever that may be, however long you have borne it, we invite you to come for the service of uh, remembrance, where we will hopefully find some hope and comfort uh, as we gather together as a community of faith. I also just want to highlight our Christmas Eve services that will take place on Saturday. You'll see all information about those services on the inside of your bulletin, uh, times, and descriptions of each service. So we hope you'll come and join us for one of those services and invite some family or friends to come and join you. I'm now going to invite Pete to come forward for another special announcement. Well, good morning. We greet all of you in the name of Christ, and I just would like to invite you briefly to put a bookmark on the date January 8th. Uh, we're going to have uh, a conversation at 9.30 on that day for the whole church uh, called um, uh, a church update or the state of the church. We're going to take some time. Tom Cantone and I, our lay leader, are going to take some time to just talk a little bit with all together about how we've come out of COVID, what are our long-range plans, what's going on with General Conference, and then we're going to have a time of questions. I would like to encourage you to set that date, January 8th at 9.30 in the Fellowship Hall. Love to have you and see you there. I invite you to also look through the bulletin and take note of all of the other announcements and what is going on in the life of our church. Let us now prepare our hearts and minds for the worship of the living God. The Lord be with you.
for God, love for neighbor, love for our creation, and love for self. We will wait for a lot of things, but we will not wait for a chance to share love. The world needs love, and so do we. Today, we light the candle of love as a call to spread this love wherever we go. May we be courageous enough to love our neighbors as ourselves. Let us worship God. The singing of hymn number 203, Hail to the Lord's Anointed. Let us stand and sing together. Having gathered into the presence of the holy and loving God, let us now confess our sins with our prayer of common confession and then our silent personal confession. Let us pray. Gracious God, 
We long to be as loving and courageous as Joseph, brave enough to trust your call and strong enough to hold on to one another. There are so many places in the world that need our love. When fear takes over, forgive us. When our knees shake and our words fail, forgive us. When self-hatred is easier than self-love, forgive us. When walls are more convenient than peace, forgive us. When pessimism is more convenient than hope, forgive us. When our comfort is more important than our neighbor, forgive us. This we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. And now hear the good news. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases and his mercies never come to an end. And nothing, nothing in all creation can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. I invite you now to share signs of peace and reconciliation with those around you.
The Lord is on the way, and we'd like to invite the children to come forward to have our time together up here. Please come on up. Y'all can sit down right up here if you like. Sit around right up here if you like. That'd be great. Come on up. Oh, man, it's so good to see you. You you got four? All right, come on up. Have a seat. Well, I tell you what, have we got everybody? I think we do. The day is here. We have been working our way forward, haven't we? Every week you have received a different piece of um, these Advent figures. Have, has anybody figured out what they are? What, what, do you think, what do you think they are? The Holy Family. Is that what you're going to say? Yeah, because I, I don't know if we can put, maybe we, we who is this? Joseph. Joseph, that's right. I don't know if Joseph will be able to stand on this table or not. We'll try. And who's this? Mary, okay, we're gonna. You guys are so smart. You figured it out. Okay, what's this? Well, we're not <laughs> the manger. All right, and we have one more piece that we're gonna hand out today. And who do you think this is now? Baby, Baby Jesus. And no, and we put it right there. And you guys are gonna be able to take it home and think and remember all about this because every week we've been making our way here. And remember, we talked about uh, Mary last week, how she was full of joy. And today we're talking about Joseph and a story about even though some scary things happened, God spoke to Joseph in a dream and said, don't be afraid. And we're thinking about this manger, that Jesus, as wonderful and big and glorious as Jesus is, he decided because he loves you and me, that he would be in a manger so that he could reach all of us. And the thing we're most of all talking about is this, who is Jesus, help, there to help us remember Jesus. So boys and girls, what I want to remind you in this week, we have Christmas coming this week, and there's so many things that are going to happen. But what I want you to invite, I want to encourage you to remember is the most important thing, and who is that? Baby, Baby Jesus. That's exactly right. Hold on to that this week, because a lot of other things are going to happen. But one of the lessons of Advent and one of the lessons of Christmas, and the one of the lessons today, is that Jesus is the most important thing. Can you all hold on to that and remember it? All right, we're going to hand these out as you make your way out in just a minute. But before we do, let's put our hands together and we'll say a prayer. Dear Jesus, thank you that you love us. Thank you that you have come to this world. Even in a manger, we thank you. We praise you, and we look for you this Christmas. Amen. So good to see you, boys and girls. We're gonna, if you didn't get any of the previous figures, we're going to give those to you. And Pastor Kelly is going to help us with that. And I have, and we have the baby Jesus here, too, to give you one of those. Can I give you that? I'm not. See if I can find. I think I've. I need. 
in the basket right there. You all have that? Here you go. Did you get this? Please join me in praying the prayer for illumination. God, source of all light, by your word you give light to the soul. Pour out on us the spirit of wisdom and understanding that our hearts and minds may be opened. Amen. Today's first lesson is from the book of Isaiah chapter 7, verses 10 through 16, which may be found on page 554 of your pew Bible. Enemies approach Judah, but Isaiah offers a vision of salvation that will later be recognized as a prophecy of the coming of Jesus. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, saying, Ask me a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary mortals that you weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the young woman is with child and shall bear a son and shall name him Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey by the time he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the child knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land before whose two kings you are in dread will be deserted. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Our second reading for the morning comes from the first chapter of Matthew, reading verses 18 through 25. Will you listen now for the word of God? Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, 
The virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but he had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son, and he named him Jesus. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, as your word is proclaimed this day, as you came down in grace so long ago, it is our prayer that you would do that now, to remind us of the wonder and the power of your love, that we might be stewards of it throughout this week and in these weeks to come through Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, friends, on this fourth Sunday of Advent... I would like to open up with a sort of deep question, and I'd like to invite you to answer this to yourself anonymously. No raising of hands here because there's no judgment. The question is this, how many of you either openly or secretly love those Hallmark Christmas movies? Take your time, take your time. Maybe you sneak off when everybody else is asleep to maybe binge watch a couple of those movies again no judgment here but this morning on this fourth Sunday of Advent let's hold off on the temptation that may be there to sort of dismiss these movies because there really is something to be said about them I mean for all the predictability of the plots you know what given all the other options out there they're not too bad amen but having said that this morning Let's also recognize that we come up against a very different kind of Christmas love story. One that might not make the Hallmark Channel, but you see, it outlines this description of love for us. A description that's even more needed and, of course, more lasting. And you know what's interesting? Despite the first impressions we might have of this story of Joseph and Mary and the angels and God and, of course, Jesus... This story is really a love story. And the fact that at first glance it may not seem like a love story, it may tell us something about our contemporary understanding of love. It invites us to a deeper understanding of the text, a more rigorous understanding of this term love, which is so central to the character of God, so central to the way that God works in your life, in my life, and in the world. And a term, love, which also has become so broad and generic in so many ways in our world as to potentially lose its power. Well, let's just jump into the story briefly to see the context so that we can discern the wonder that is right here. See, in the story, Joseph finds out somehow that his betrothed wife Mary is pregnant. And he knows nothing initially about the work of the Holy Spirit. To him, the issue is likely clearly and painfully straightforward. Mary is pregnant. He's not the father. Someone else is. And he wants to honor God. And he wants to honor the law. And despite Mary's perceived unfaithfulness at this point, He doesn't want to expose her to public disgrace and the culture of shame 
of which most of us don't have to work hard to envision. The solution is, as the text says, to dismiss her quietly. However, that means that he, along with Mary, is going to take it on. Take on the coming shame. Because everybody will assume that he is the father. And in this day and age, of course, it's not nearly the level of shame. But in that day, it would have been a deal breaker. You see, despite his initial presumption of Mary's unfaithfulness, Joseph is more concerned about serving and honoring Mary and even more honoring God that he is concerned about avoiding shame. And that shows character and an exemplary and deep definition of love. And remember, Matthew is doing something very intentional here. Joseph and Mary were young. Mary maybe in her early teens, Joseph late teens. And yet the story takes these young people and deliberately lifts them up, highlights them, as a model, as a, as a picture of virtue and character. And the virtue was found particularly in the way that they loved one another, but also in the way that they were obedient to God in everything. I think that's something we just need to hear today. Is it not helpful to hear a story of love, honor, and virtue from two young people? You know, last week, Kelly highlighted the story of Mary and Elizabeth and the joy they would pour forth into the world even today. But this morning, perhaps along with them, it's helpful to highlight Joseph also with Mary, but as a timely example for you and for me and for our culture. I don't know if any of you had the chance to see an interview with Richard Reeves on CNN a few weeks back. He recently wrote a book entitled, Of Boys and Men, Why the Modern Male is Struggling, Why it Matters, and What to Do About It. The book was picked up in an article by Atlantic Magazine. It was also picked up by David Brooks in his column in the New York Times. But it's this book filled with statistics and data, but his thesis is not complicated. He takes some time in the book to recognize and celebrate the gains of women in the past decades and a deep desire not to discount those gains. But his claim is at the same time, we should recognize that men and boys in many ways, and particularly among those living in poverty, are just not doing great today. He gives multiple tables and data and statistics to show that men are generally on the downslope of the graphs. And that's the case when you look at things like mental health, labor force income, college education, GPAs. And in addition, in one of his final chapters entitled Dislocated Dads, he highlights the challenge of discerning family identity for men in a culture of rapidly increasing single parenting. And the point is that all of us, men and women, need a reminder today of the importance of character, the importance of example, especially today. Men, and most acutely, men in poverty, are searching for it. 
And that brings us back to the main point. See, Joseph offers us a reminder of what it means to love and honor both God and neighbor. And in a way that's in contrast to so much of our culture today, Joseph is willing to embrace shame so that he can honor God and even more honor Mary. Remember the basics. Love means that we honor other people. Love means we honor other people. We do what Jesus did. Jesus wanted to honor his disciples, broken people, sinful people, people who would deny him, people who would betray him, and yet he kneels down to wash their feet for the express purpose of lifting them up. That's how he loved them, in the words of the text, loved them to the last and shows this honor. That's what Paul was speaking about in 1 Corinthians 13 with those famous words that love, I, I quote, does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Does not, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Sometimes we forget that this is the kind of love we lift up every time we do a wedding right here in this place. You know, when people, two people stand right here and offer their vows each to the other, the, the holy and sacred point of the service, they are promising to offer each other this kind of love. And it occurs right here when they offer their vows, but what also happens is the way they seal that in the giving and the receiving of rings. Uh, some of you know my story. I have uh, five children. Now, our five children were all born within seven and a half years. So we had a whole lot of young kids and a whole lot of middle schoolers and a whole lot of college students, and the same thing happened with weddings. So we had five weddings in my house in three and a half years. Four of them were girls, and as I have often said, at least the preacher was free. Well, a few years back, my son was getting married, and I was officiating at that service. And we were literally in a church similar to this, literally standing outside the door five minutes before the service was about to start. Everybody was lining up. All the women were lined up in the back. I turned to the best man, and I said, do you have the rings? And he looked at me like, rings? So I was sitting there. I said, we're trying to figure out what we're going to do. The wedding's starting in three or four minutes. So I said to my son, I said, why don't you just take my ring you can use it and exchange it, and we'll work, and then you can straighten it all afterwards. Well, the bride was in the back. She got word that we were going to do this. She said, no way. <laughs> she said, I want the real rings blessed and consecrated. That's the deal. So I went out into the congregation in my robe, talked to my daughter, who was sitting with all my family. And I said, you need to run out to the place and get those rings and bring them back. And she went hauling off, got the rings, brought them back. We started 15 minutes late, but the rings were blessed and consecrated. But I always think about that story because there's this wonderful, powerful, poignant part in a wedding service. As the couple exchange rings, they say these words that are so keeping with what we're talking about in this text today. I give you this ring as a sign of my vow and with all that I am and all that I have, I honor you in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. The man is saying this to his wife, and she to her husband. I honor you. 
I lift you up. I kneel down to serve you. Now, likely all of us fall short in that place. But the ideal is a helpful reminder to us on what biblical love is. It points us to a deeper understanding of love that cannot wait. But here's the problem. This love of which we speak, it sounds so good and so powerful right here, but it is also so hard to do. How do you love and honor another when the result might be shame? For example, a couple of things uh, to think about. This week I was reading a story about the actress and comedian Sandra Bullock. You might remember her 10 years ago. um, She was all in the tabloids. Her marriage was in the tabloids because of her husband's infidelity. And directly following all of this attention, she was receiving an award at some big ceremony. I don't know which one it was. But everybody was wondering what she's going to say because she seemingly had every right to take down her husband or former husband. But she didn't. She simply said this in her comedic presentation. She said, whoever established the high road and how high it was going to be should be fired. (laughs) Bishop Michael Curry, in his recent book on love, said it with a phrase that he had learned from his African-American heritage. He said this, Never let anyone drag you so low as to hate them. You hear that? Never let anyone drag you so low as to hate them. And of course, Michelle Obama offered a similar line years ago when she said, when they go low, we go high. And they make good phrases, but they're hard, and it's a challenge to do this and do what Joseph did. How do you do that? How do you get there? Where do you even begin? You know, this last week, somebody gave me a, a great book from a, written by a preacher friend of mine, Doug Guesswick. He used to be the preacher at St. Luke's Church out in Yorktown. Six years ago, he was suddenly diagnosed with stage four cancer. The doctors told him he had a couple months to a year to live. So he wrote this book as, a, as an account for how he made it through, and he's still doing well, remarkably. But his book is entitled simply, Do the Next Thing, with a reminder that sometimes we can't get our arms around all the challenge, so sometimes all we can do is the next thing. A preacher friend of mine took that to the next level when he said sometimes when we're trying to figure out where we're going, what we're doing, we're trying to envision the future, we don't know where to go, we simply have to, and I quote, do the next right thing. Do the next right thing. Now, I have to confess that after we offered this sermon at the 8.30 service, a couple of parents of young kids came up to me and said, you know, that's a big song in Frozen 2. <laughs> I had no idea, but it's a great song. Do the next right thing. But friends, most importantly, as we love and honor others, as we try to do the next right thing, let us remember who we follow. Ironically, Joseph was following the pattern of his soon-to-be-born stepson. See, Jesus did the same thing as we shared with the children. He exchanged the glories of heaven for a manger. He left the chorus of angels for the sound of animals. And he embraced the descent, dare we say shame, so that he could serve you and so that he could serve me. Now, Joseph, of course, ultimately found that Mary was not guilty of unfaithfulness. In fact, she was exactly the opposite. But we are not. And you know the rest of the story, even though 
we fall short. Even though we sin, even though we mess up, even though we don't hit the mark, we are loved by the Lord of all the universe who descends down to honor you and honor me so that he can lift us up. And you know the rest of the story because it keeps going. He endured the shame of a cross so that you could be raised up into the arms of a loving God, forgiven, whole, set free. That is who the God we serve is. Because the love that Jesus has for you and for me and for this world outweighs the shame of a cross. And so we can follow in the footsteps of Mary and Joseph, but even more in Jesus. Not only because we have an example to follow, but because, brothers and sisters, you and I have been loved. I had such a deep love, and that continues and equips us. And friends, this kind of love just can't wait. Because in the end, this kind of love, this kind of honor, it's going to win. That's the message of Advent. It won at Bethlehem. It won and will win at Calvary. It will win in Richmond, Virginia. It will win in your life. It will win in your family. And all this kind of love, it may not make the Hallmark movie, but it is even better. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. In response to the word proclaimed, I invite you to stand and sing together hymn number 384, Love Divine, All Loves Excelling, stanzas 1 and 3. Please stand. As we gather and continue our worship, let us say together what we believe using the words of the Apostles' Creed found on page 881 of your hymnals. Let's offer these words together. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, 
born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Let us please be seated. God, we thank you that you are the one who hears our prayers, both our laments and thanksgivings, who suffers with us when we suffer, who encourages and strengthens us in times of struggle, and who rejoices with us always. Hear our prayers today. We give you thanks for the gift of your holy church and for the gift of gathering here to worship you this day. We pray for our partner churches in Swansboro, Koinonia Christian Church, and Love Center of Unity, that your spirit will guide our ministry together so that we can make a difference in our community and the world. We pray for our denomination and our congregation. Help all of us to hear your voice and follow your call. Send your spirit to help us share your love in all that we do. God of compassion and love, we pray for all who suffer this day, for the unemployed, for those who are hungry, for those in need of clothing or shelter, and for those who suffer anxiety, depression, or other mental health challenges. We lift up all who struggle as they make difficult decisions and all who are facing uncertainty in the present moment. Help us all to remember that you are the same God who in Jesus stills the storm and soothes the frantic heart. Bring us hope that you will make us the equal of whatever lies ahead. Bring us courage 
to endure what cannot be avoided and help us to remember that you are God and that you are always with us. As our communities face continuing COVID, flu, and other illnesses, we pray for doctors, nurses, public health officials, and all who work in health care, and also for all emergency workers. By your healing power, grant them quick minds and skillful hands, knowledge, virtue, and patience. Strengthen them in times of trauma. In quiet times, give them rest and assurance of the value of their work. God of peace that passes understanding, we pray for all places of conflict, but especially today, we pray for peace in Ukraine and Russia. Heavenly Father, giver of life, comfort and relieve all who are sick or suffering, but especially those who are alone as they suffer. Relieve their pain, give them confidence in the power of your grace, and make them know that even when they are afraid, they may put their whole trust in you. We pray for those who have died and those who mourn. Especially today, we lift up Cindy Burkholder and her family on the death of her father, Harmon, and for Dottie Maddox and her family on the death of Dottie's son, Matt. Loving God, you are our strength and our redeemer. You do not leave us in this life nor abandon us in death. Renew in all who grieve your sustaining strength, for we believe that there is nothing in all creation that can separate us from your love in Christ Jesus our Lord, who taught us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. If you would like to make a gift of a tithe or an offering that can be used in ministry, you may do so as the ushers come forward or by going online.
Let us pray. Generous God, we thank you for all the many gifts that you give to us, especially today. We thank you for the gift of community and for the joy of gathering here together in this holy time, in this holy season to worship you. We give you thanks also for the beauty and the gifts of creation. Even in the darkness of night, the sunsets and the sunrises are so beautiful and remind us of your light and life and the life that is renewing here below the surface of the earth, even in the times of winter. We give you thanks most of all, though, in this season for the gift of your son and for his love. We ask that you would take these gifts that we offer back to you this day and consecrate them to your use, that they might be used to share your love with all the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now we can join together in singing God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen as found in your bulletin. this day, I invite you to take your bulletin with you so that you can see all the many opportunities to be involved here at Reveille. But most of all, I invite you to invite your friends and family to come to one of our services on Christmas Eve. And now the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you now and remain with you forevermore as we go in peace and as all God's people say, Amen. Amen.